Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of 
October 31st, 2013. I am your host, Jose Otero. And I've assembled a crew of experts to talk all about uh, specifically one franchise this week, Castlevania, which is one of my favorites. So joining me in this discussion slash radio drama reprising the role of the Count, Per Schneider. Ah, ah, ah. Thank you. Uh, playing the role of the librarian, the man in charge of all the secrets on the wiki team, Samuel Claiborne. But I'm not actually the expert at Castlevania. Yeah, Col- I was going to say. Colin Moriarty is the next guy on the list. I'm just a miserable pile of secrets. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wait, wait who's, the, who's the next guy? The next guy I was going <laughs> to frame as the Grim Reaper of our show. Wow. Colin Moriarty. Which Beyond. Is not, yeah, there you go. See? I Beyond. think he's more of the bone dragon. Thank uh, you. I'll take uh, it. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't move. He moves. I'll, he just moves very cleverly, and he's impossible to avoid. I'm uh, oh, the yeah. Frankenstein in the first Castlevania that you could just spam with holy water if you're good yeah. enough. Nice. You have to, you have to, watch you have to get there in the damn holy water yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. Most people forgot. It's cool. so hard. It is. So uh, before we get really deep into Castlevania discussion, let's talk about last week's question of the week. So I asked, uh, what was your favorite Mario power-up? And we actually had a poll running on IGN. Uh, I'll post the results where you can find this episode over on the site. Um, so quickly around the room, mine... It's it's a classic. It's the cape. The cape has the most potential for you to do a lot with it. I feel I have all the power-ups Mario has ever had. The cape, some people will complain, breaks the game. But I think it's so cool that you can break the game. Breaks you can the fly game? Through. In it terms was made of, for the cape. In terms of flying through the entire game, not even of, like hitting an enemy, mm-hmm. if you got really good at sort of the cape bounce, like you can go from point A to point B and yep. never touch a soul you know what i'm i'm it's my my favorite as well i just you wouldn't do that when you first get the cape that's That's the whole point right Mm -hmm. it's an item that once you get really good you can fly through a level and yeah i mean you wouldn't in mario world you want to collect all the the special coins and all that so you probably wouldn't do that i always liked that that you could do something it's such a great it's such a great skill to master too it's like a a tactile great feel you kind of use the sound and the timing Mm -hmm. and everything to go higher and higher through the level and then they made some levels specifically with secret areas that you could you had to use pretty complex tricks to get to using the cape like the one bypassed uh end marker where yeah. you have to fly up after that that's you right yoshi also but it's really fun and, and they knew too that people would try and break the game like they sometimes have a hidden pipe up in the sky and they put a wall in front of it so that you'd actually have to turn around <laughs> and get that. back to it yeah, so that's right. i mean they were aware of that i just yeah. thought it was such a cool god item. and it took a lot of skill yeah. right like that was the thing i love about it the most i feel of all the power-ups um flood's not a power-up flood is mm-hmm. no. something else crazy it hasn't been back in a game yeah that's yeah. true most most practical would be one of the flying ones like raccoon or, or yeah. the cape. I always liked fire flower as well, just because it, it it gives it a different kind of feel, a little different dynamic where you're attacking, you're on the uh, on the offense. But I always think about Mario three suits like frog suit and the hammer suit, like things that are yeah. like totally totally weird and like you only find them a couple times and they're That's not exactly really. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I'm right with you on that. Yeah, like yeah. the frog suit especially is funny because you <laughs> can only use it in the aqueous levels and. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't use Hammer Brothers suit anywhere. Yeah. By the time you get that suit, you don't want to like just waste it. You want to be careful. Right. You can walk over some of the Piranha Plant areas with it, but it's like you only get one or two in a really good game playthrough. It's so fun. I remember using Game Genie to give that suit out and just playing the whole game with it, and it was just so fun because it was such a weird, obscure little suit. You don't you don't expect to get it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very novel and and different. I mean, that's 
kind of what that whole game's about. It's really one of the great games of all time. Yep. I, I do like the Fire Flower for that simple kind of like give you something to do aspect, right? Yeah. Like there are, these, there are a couple of items where you're running through the level anyway. Now you have something that you can just spam with a button for no reason, yeah. and the Fire Flower does that. So yeah, and, like and it makes it a little more complex, especially in on the in the NES, like in Mario 1 and 3, because... You're holding down B all the time anyway to run, and but you have to let it go. Like it, it makes it you, like you like it makes it gives the game a whole different tempo. You know, yeah, and, totally. And I I like that like where you, you're not so worried about the enemies around. I mean, you can't use it on Beatles and, and yeah. a few other enemies, but yeah, it gives the game a different feel. I like that. It's cool. Nice. Yeah. All right, Sam. Well, I, I was gonna say I, I'm I told you the other day Hammer Brother costume just because as I've already explained it's such like an obscure useless costume like I like that about it I think it's like so it was just as I said it was just so unexpected like Karibo's shoe you know to just to put that in there it seems like an afterthought but it's like a, such a cool weird afterthought and yeah. I love that okay excellent all right from our community uh, actually I was surprised by this post but because uh, it got a lot of uh, votes. Uh, NFL and Beth Fan 99 uh, said bring the Cape Feather back which I guess I mean he's voting for the Cape Feather obviously but he's it's kind of his plea like hey this should be in another game mm-hmm. it's, and it's, they haven't brought it back you know why because it's so hard to balance right like yeah. for the exact reasons that you guys yeah. brought up but um, I agree no, uh, the, the hat functions they, kind of like it they took it out of Mario Kart for a while too right and yeah yep the wing hat. The, the 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 jumping ability. With That's the right. Wait, are you going to read off the poll yeah. results too? Or uh, yeah, you? I have them here actually. Okay. Um, so Alex Andre voted for the Tanuki suit, um, and that did have a really cool the second ability, right, to turn into a statue, which I always found really oh, yeah. weird, like when to use it, but it came in really helpful at like Bowser's Castle or something like that. Whenever they had stages where there'd be those orbs that would like float around like a platform in, in Mario Brothers Three, you'd want to stay completely still and not get hit, yeah. that kind of thing, um, and it required skill as well. Uh, frog jerky, hammer suit was the greatest thing uh, ever when I was a kid. I thought it was as a Mega Man style move by Mario, straight up taking an enemy power. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a good oh, way, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. That's interesting. Cool, yeah. Um, so this week from our Facebook community, sorry guys, I actually did not get to get your responses. And a big reason is because uh, I need you guys to start post uh, pinning the responses to the question of the week at the top of the Facebook thread. It gets really hard to find it, especially on a week where a lot of things happen or a lot of people are playing Pokemon and have a lot of opinions. So it gets buried and really hard to find. So can you please, please, for the love of God, pin that to the top of the post as soon as you make it. Um, Last week we talked a little bit about female characters in Nintendo games. It was from an email that Pear read on the show. And uh, one of our listeners chimed in a bit. Um, So this is coming from Chameleon139, and he says about the female Nintendo thing. He basically says, you know, Nintendo does have often, like, helpful female characters. Um, and for, you know, Zelda and Wind Waker and Ocarina really helped you a lot. Peach and Paper Mario on Wii is an awesome character. And then there's always Samus. He says the weird thing, I, his observation is, and his English is a little broken up, but this is what I pulled out of it, uh, is that Nintendo doesn't really have st- deep, strong male characters as well. Uh, and I think what he's trying to say is just there's not much backstory to them. They're not very deep and involved. Yeah. They, they sort of have, like, very one-purpose kind of minds. Um, but he was hoping someone would understand. His long story short is that Nintendo has a lot of female characters which are probably the same as their males or as good. They could use them a bit more often, though, is sort of his conclusion. How do we feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nintendo characters are often ciphers, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they're they're something that is visually interesting and born out of the necessity of creating a unique character with very few pixels because they've been around for such a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And they haven't invented that many new characters later. And so I, I always, they pick kind of like an archetype, right? Like, here's an Italian plumber, 
and then they don't see the need to flesh in the backstory, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Yeah, like, no. What know. could the backstory be? Yeah. What is the backstory of Nana on Ice Climber? That's what I would think. <laughs> <laughs> is she the one with the pink? Yeah, yeah. 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 That bear stole her sunglasses. Uh-huh. I-, I was going to say, I mean, I-, I wasn't here for your guys' original conversation, but, you know, Sheik was always one of my favorite characters in, in any Such Zelda a good game. And, and, that's, and that's, like, a really awesome, powerful... Mm-hmm. female character that but, you're not really quite sure. You know, we obviously know the connection where now that we played it in hindsight, but I remember experiencing that the first time. You don't really know yeah. what you're dealing with at that time. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, but catch, she had to pre- too. But she yeah. had to pretend to be a guy, right? That's, that's true. The, yeah. that's, you know, a, nah, that's a good point. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, so, sure. but Im- Impa, for, exa- for example, is kind of more of a warrior character in, in most of the mm. games, right? Yeah. When she's younger. Most recent, so, yeah, too. But you, you hardly ever get to play as those characters. Like, the Zelda sequences are very short, too, where you get to play as, as Zelda, for example. You know who fleshed out the Mario uh, backstory, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Yes, it did. That's yeah. a good point. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But not in the movie. Mind, not no, the, no, God forbid. Oh, God. You slipped into Mario there. Like yeah, that. I did. Yeah. It I, I had, I had to unlearn that as well after years of ridicule. So <laughs> I'm telling you, but like in New York, in the tri-state, like that, people say Mario. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, Mario. Man, Josie, you have uh, you have a friend here on the show. Rick Moranis yeah. says it in Ghostbusters. All right. Does he say it the way we say it? Go play some Mario Brothers. There you go. <laughs> and, and I always say, you know, we, we, we come from an area with the most Italian people in the entire country, and so I am too. half Italian. Yeah, so you what's your, I would know how to, how to say So what's your excuse? Exactly. So I'm saying, I'm saying it the I, way I grew up yeah. in my Italian oh, family. My mom said it, it that I way. That. The grocer <laughs> yelled, at it so, yelled it to someone that hey, way. Mario. <laughs> Get the tomatoes. So hey, Mario. needs to stitch together a podcast of this uh-huh. discussion over the 200 NBC episodes. Whenever it shows up, you can make a whole episode about just people talking about Mario versus uh-huh. Mario, I know. Yeah, it comes yeah. up so much. So, uh, I, I just want to say real quick too that I'm surprised. I've never been on this podcast before. It's it's a lot quieter than Podcast Beyond. Well, because Greg's not in yeah, here, and yeah. we are already talking about video games. It usually takes us about a solid <laughs> thirty minutes mm. before we stop talking about Say by the Bell or <laughs> Miller Boyette sitcom or it, it, pizza. It, yeah. it happens. Brian is in here sometimes. Talks about running into bushes. So, yeah. Oh know. yeah. There's a lot of listen yeah. to last week's episode for a reference on that. I think yeah. we're just a little more uh, a toned down when we're talking about our favorite old games. Yeah. Fair enough. I so when we're talking it. about new games, everybody has high emotions about, then it gets a little loud. Sure. So to wrap up the Mario discussion from earlier, the the votes. All right, drum roll, somebody, please. All right, the winner and greatest Mario power up of all time, according to the IGN community, is Cape Feather. With 17% of the votes, <laughs> uh, followed by Tanuki Suit with uh, 13.8% of the vote. Wow. Uh, then Fire Flower, so the classics made it to the top. Wing Cap from Super Mario 64 was fourth place. Oh, yeah, that was good. And fifth place was the Super Leaf, Super Leaf, excuse me, from Super Mario. No Beast Suit, huh? Uh, Beast Suit is wait. Double <laughs> Cherry made it up surprisingly high, and that's the a new, power up that's not even power? out yet. That's yeah, but, cheating. Let's see how yeah. it works first. Dude, it's so cool. Um, right. At least that's what I hear from people who've played the game. Right. Uh,. Yep. Cool. All right. So, great. Now, moving on. Uh, Pear has some emails. You want some email questions? Yeah, please. Cool. Bring I, picked, I picked some that, that, that Colin can answer, So, where too. can they email to? <laughs> so, nothing. Huh? Oh, where do, where do the folks email to? Uh, NVC at IGN. Yeah, you always do this course, great yeah. intro, so yeah. surprise. Yeah. yeah, I'm confused today and tired. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We're recording um, a day early. It's kind of my fault. We've got, uh, so we've got an email from Xavier. Um, you know, of the X-Men. Uh, he's a huge fan. Uh, NVC is his favorite podcast, followed by NPR's Car Talk and then Beyond. 
And third place, I'll take it. There you go. Yeah. Um, like and he really, he really liked the speedrunning episode for, for Zelda and uh, also Brian Altano's segment on killing all his Pokemon. That was fun. <laughs> so he's got a PS3 and a 360 and pre-ordered an Xbox One. It has a Wii U, of course. But he bought Arkham Origins on Wii U. He just wanted to hear our, our feedback on it. You know, he's only played a little bit of it. He likes, uh, you know, that it has kind of like this achievement trophy system built in where it builds post to me verse but yep. you know he's asking how does it compare to the other version so i checked that out for you um it's top here so you know visually um it looks all right i mean you're not going to put the versions next to each other and say this is clearly worse but um it does chop up a little bit more when you when you're flying around um when mm -hmm. gliding around um the gamepad stuff you know um dan our uh, our review of the game um, by the way, we got the game late, which is why that version's review isn't up. Uh, Dan is going to post a couple of comments and I think a conversation on it as well, right? Good. Yeah. Um, but he said all the gamepad stuff was pretty worthless in this one. And Arkham City actually had way more gamepad mm -hmm. uh, integration with the decryption stuff, the weapon select, which are not in this game. You've That's got right. you know, you've got some cute little um, uh, fingerprint reader thing, which which you don't use for much. But overall, it's just a map. And talking to Alfred. So, you know, if you have to make a choice between the versions, it depends on whether you like multiplayer. If you want multiplayer, you got to get the Xbox or PS3 versions. Um, if you like to save 10 bucks, then you get the Wii U version. It's cheaper. Because you know, Alfred costs 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Alfred talks to you over the Wii U gamepad, like just the little tinny speaker in the gamepad. Just like in real life. Yeah. Right? That's really funny. Yeah. But then uh, someone like Edward Nygma shows up and he talks to you through the TV. And meanwhile, he hacked your communications. So it's a little inconsistent in some places, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. I think so, people are, uh, from what I heard, are, are kind of down on that game yeah. in general. Well, it, it, I so. mean, it's very similar, but doesn't do anything new, right? And a big portion of the map is recycled. Yeah, and I, I'm saying that in the context of there's a lot out right now to play. It, it may, man, if that game had come out in June, I think it would have had a lot or more August positivity Or July. It. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> Any of those yeah. three months. Yeah. I also, also think if, you're, if you only own a Wii U, you don't have the other platforms then. Totally. And you, so you haven't played the other games really good, right? Yeah. It's a, it's, it will feel fresh to you because it does rip off that whole Metroidvania setup of, mm -hmm. you know, getting tools and progressing. So it's pretty much the closest thing to like a Metroid Prime setup you can get, I yeah. think, on the and Wii it, And U, it's right? not bad. I mean, yeah. it feels no, like good. a cover band. It's some cover bands yep. can be pretty cool. Yeah. You know, so I'll see what so goes. next question comes from Brett Grimes. He's asking... Uh, Grimey. Um, yeah, grimy, we call them. How do you feel about in-game menus that are cleverly embedded within the game's design? For instance, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4's menu system takes place within the in-game gauntlet your character wears or Assassin's Creed where the animus frames up the entire gameplay experience. Heck yeah. Um, I love this approach Hit as boy. opposed to something like GTA, yeah. which has a great stat which has great stat tracking but a giant menu system overlaying an otherwise engrossing experience. Yeah, Fallout is the... I mean, Sam said it, but Fallout is the great example so good. of Pip-Boy and using this device on your arm to see everything you have. And so I... I always really like that, but it doesn't really matter to me. You know, I yeah. like the thing that matters the most to me with menus is that they're quick and fluid. I always think about, of course, the, like the classic Mega Man series where it's just it is what it is, and it just gets you where you need to go. Yeah. I don't need to like do -do. Me I don't do -do. need to mess around. Yeah, you're or in like you know when you get the Mega Man X, Mega Man Seven, Mega Man Eight, and you can use the R and L buttons um, to like just toggle through your weapon. Like that's what's most important to me. What annoyed me about GTA yeah, Five? I only played it for like five hours, and I walked away because I was like, I don't, I don't really want to play this right now, but. Um, the menus were a little sluggish and like 
overbearing, huge. Like you know, like it's hard to find what like what you really want to find, and they're, they're not granular. Like they're granular to almost an, an, like to, you know too granular to, to a fault. I think I, I want something that's quick and fluid. Yeah, I think there have been a couple of games like you know I think the darkness had fun with with its HUD design, right? Like Dude, kind of Dead building Space in the best as the hologram Dead. in front of your character. That's yeah. right, and Me- then your power pack and stuff is on your back. Yep. So you don't even have to ever go yeah. to a menu screen. Metroid Prime, that's so clever. Too. Metroid yeah. Prime had the HUD uh, built into the visor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the one thing that's happening in games, uh, in, in movies that hasn't happened in games is that movie directors got to this point where they said, hey, overlaying text over our film is not that cool anymore, yeah. right? Because um, if you look at a game by like somebody like Kojima, he starts off the game, he wants to make it feel like a movie, so you get like starring, you know, you've got like the credits rolling over the gameplay footage. And so I think a lot of game developers are still enamored with that too, like just kind of like making it more, more movie-like. But then the HUD controls... You know, sometimes I don't mind having like a score counter if it's clear and if it's out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Some games go crazy with it. It's just too much on the yeah. screen to track. Was it Splinter Cell that did the thing that um, Fringe does where it's like if they're going to show an on-screen like, you know, like x file style where it's like Bo- Boston yeah, yeah. and then it shows it like as a 3D uh, yeah. rendering of the word like against a shadow of a building yeah, yeah. I think Splinter cool. Cell did that in like shadows for like kind of yeah. pointing out menu stuff and I, I just think that's like so you're thinking like so much more about your, the aesthetics of your game like if you want your game to look good that's such a clever way to go. Yeah, I, I think like uh, I think UI needs to be elegant, especially for survival horror games. And I'm glad you guys brought up Dead yeah. Space because, yeah. like, you don't want anything making you feel like it's a game. You want the, everything to look totally like show off everything you can. Don't show any HUD elements, and then when something jumps out, it just Agreed. it stands out a lot more. Although people yeah. did complain when Resident Evil went from a you know complex like I used to love juggling my items in a Resident Evil Four like that felt so good, mm. but then in Five they made it live time. Oh yeah, and yeah. And just like ah, oh, it, it adds it does add tension. It did. Yeah. There's something but about it that. Takes but it takes something away from it. Re Four and the games that came before it were so t- like we we make fun of like the tank kind of controls and like the the, the the weird feel of these old games from Re Four backwards. But part of that was, to me was always we weren't accustomed to dual analog sticks at that time yet. Like really playing shooters with them really getting into controlling the camera, but also the cumbersome feel of the game was part of what made it. So scary yeah i think people kind of lost track like re4 is great but when you go back and play it it doesn't feel quite right anymore if you go play it on the hd twins or whatever because you're you're used to a finer control set but part of that because of of the stop and shoot that they had in yeah like like, yeah they took that out right? yeah like well well, not in the the new one you still have to stop or in like the remake it's the same oh you do have to stop. yeah and that was part like the limitations were part of what made the game i know it's like kind of a cop-out but i think it's part of what made the game scary i completely agree limitations were part of what made early survival horror especially early resident evil fantastic and it's totally been lost Um, no but zombie you tried to do that whole thing if you're looking in your bag you can't see who's coming for you right they do the i thought that was clever yeah yeah i guess i meant totally been yeah. lost from Resident Evil because yep. Resident Evil is a completely different beast <laughs> than what it used to be and it makes me yeah. sad unfortunately well Dead Space is like that's that Dead Space is really one of the great survival horror games of all time like so so good and that yeah. really it's, is what Resident Evil could have been if they continued too scary for me but two, I had, two, I had two, issues two was playing okay, Dead Space but three is not good, not good for Dead Space either they, just, they took it three. too far into the action area. Yeah. Yeah. I got Same to thing. this point where I'm, I'm just sick of running away from stuff man <laughs> I want to be badass like I want to play that point in Half-Life where I get the superpowers and like just uh, throw everybody around I don't want to be running so the whole time so you do an entire from, game yeah that's it but, but think, <laughs> I, I, I only want payoff I don't want any but work anymore play boom blocks yeah I mean, that's, I, I, I love I love that feeling of like of being scared of not of, you know like I always love the ink ribbons in the in the early Resident Evil yeah. games because like it, it made you like you couldn't you could really screw yourself like you there yeah. and I really like that I mean I always think about God like even the old Dragon Quest games or Dragon Warrior games on NES like if you crossed the bridge and the enemies were too powerful but you kind of wanted to do it because it was a challenge like. 
you knew you really weren't supposed to fight them yet, but you were yeah. anyway. Like, there's something special about that kind of challenge where you don't Exa know if you can win. That's what Zelda was about. Yeah. The Legend of Zelda was about going to these. We talk about this every episode. Yeah. <laughs> going to the far reaches of an area. You're getting in trouble. And you might yeah. get in trouble. On yeah. Dark Souls you, is like but that you just want to see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just want to see what it looks like, yeah. and you might gain an advantage by finding something there. Yeah. Oh, man. Let me get one quick question in from from another yeah. audience member here, um, and you can email us at nvc at ign.com. Remember to keep it to three sentences or less, please. Otherwise, it's really hard to read. Plus, what? if your name is part guru guru dajan then everything is hard to read anyway but that's um, <laughs> i hope i didn't butcher that too badly hey my name is per schneider nobody can pronounce that uh question i have is that um should nintendo buy sega if sega is bought by nintendo a lot of sega franchise would come to place uh, and we could actually play a lot of great sonic it's like the games titanic buying the hindenburg sam was already oh. shaking his head just for the folks at home <laughs> so i was looking at the japanese sales charts for that just came out the media creative charts for the Sonic game that they released on 3DS. I don't know if the Wii U game came out at the same time or it just didn't charge. It should but, be the same day. But yeah. it only sold 5,000 copies on 3DS. Yeah. Like, I think... Now, Sega's ace in the hole right now is, is might be Atlas, but I'm not sure that, mm -hmm. that Atlas games... You know, they do... Like, you have, what, like, Etrian Odyssey and, and certain games that are on 3DS that do really well, but, like, well, Persona and Catherine and whatever else they really... You know, you know uh, you know, Arena and all these games that they release, like, are those compatible with Nintendo's core audience? You know, yeah. I, I kind of wonder. 3D, 3D. Game Heroes is. Oh, 3D. You, game Heroes. Can you imagine fantastic. if Nintendo owned 3D. Game Heroes? Yeah, <laughs> that's a fa that's a fantastic game. Um, I just wonder, like, you know, like Sega. You know, Sega is just a weird company. It seems like Sammy and that whole like gambling part of their company is what's keeping them alive. See, but. I don't, th I don't think Nintendo has to buy Sega because Sega's Sonic games really only do well on Nintendo platforms, right? Like the the Sega, uh, the the Sega Nintendo Olympic Games crossover, for example, with Mario and Sonic in it. That's a top seller that always so sells really well. And there's a new one coming, but they got that without owning a stake in the in the company, right? Mm -hmm. And the Sonic games usually do really well. Um, yeah, I hope that franchise comes back, makes a comeback. But like, I have a hard time seeing those games perform really it's well. It's come on back Xbox like every year for twenty years. Yeah, and and they've done good ones in between, right? We talked about that last week a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, the other option is that they just create more mobile games and and are more at home in, on iPad. But I don't. They they're almost like a little. They're they're a bit of a dinosaur in in today's age. I right? think yeah. uh, it, yeah. the only benefit I would see though from Nintendo buying and, and agree, I agree these games probably would not chart well. But the only reason I would love someone to buy Sega is to just bring some sensibility to some of their decisions with some of the, a lot of franchises Sega is sitting on were either good in its day or maybe they didn't do well in their day because they were on the Saturn or something. But mm. I'd love to see Panzer Dragoon make a comeback. I'd love to see Jet Set Radio make an actual comeback. Not an HD comeback. Dude, but Fantasy Star. Yeah. Fantasy yeah. Star. Like real Fantasy Star. Yeah. Not online. Like real fan. Like, yeah. like, first of all, when I was in Japan for Tokyo Game Show, you know, they, they re announced Pan uh, Fantasy Star Nova, which is supposed to be like a more traditional Fantasy Star game for Vita, immediately said, like, this game's not even coming out in America, so don't, you know, like, don't bother. Fantasy Star Online 2 is not coming out in the United States, but, like, Fantasy Star 5, like, where is just, a, like, a traditional Fantasy Star game, like, a, a traditional turn-based RPG that I think people would actually dig, because Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4, especially on Genesis, were, were big games. You know, mm -hmm. I, I will, that's always been my biggest confusion with them, is why they abandoned that series the way they did, yeah. in the sense that they did. I mean, Fantasy Star Online was huge, but... And maybe, it, yeah. maybe those games didn't sell well. Like, I, I don't know, like, I'm not as informed on this opinion as I'd like to be, but there were, are some franchises that I think they would do better on touchscreens, or they would do better maybe in today's market, you know? Sure. You gotta for, wonder for if, sure like, the creators the moved on, though, right? I mean, that, that, I think that's the issue. Do you just issue. want them to make the game, you know? The, or do you want the creator to make a I mean, awesome but sometimes, game? I mean, sometimes... 
I think someone else taking hold of like the reins can make something interesting or at least do a revival with some justice. I mean, yeah. Bionic Commando Rearmed is the story of, hey, here was a team that loved like what Bionic Commando was and Very represented true. and figured it out. It's possible. It's just rare. But I hmm. would there has for to remakes. Be I totally people. trust them. Then by Bionic Commando Rearm Two was yeah. there. I don't really know how much of that talent was the same though. I honestly yeah. think if Nintendo bought a company, it would be for the talent rather than for the franchise. They have very very powerful brands, right? Mm-hmm. They have Zelda, Mario, Metroid, Star Fox, F Zero, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of that is sitting there and not getting built because they don't have enough people or they don't have enough, you know, they just don't have the bandwidth to oversee all of that. So, you know, if they don't have anybody to build a Metroid game, then they should have bought a company like Chair Games to do a 2D Metroid game Mm. on the 3DS, right? Rather than a Sega um, and and get Sonic and then have to build another game franchise around Sonic. Yeah, can you imagine Nintendo owning Yakuza? Even though there is a Yakuza (laughs) game out in Japan, uh, Mm -hmm. they did a Yakuza HD collection or whatever, I forgot. Yeah, one and two. One and two, thank you. I don't know how that would really fit. Um, yeah. Shenmue three would that even increase its chances? Probably not. Oh, there's just there's just something about the, that possibility of that game even happening that I think would be exciting to people. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I often think, you know, I think Nintendo needs to think differently about the way they approach their games. I've always said, like, I was surprised that they didn't have they didn't unleash and maybe maybe they are, but unleash retro doing an open world Zelda game. I mean, like w- like rethink what you have. You know, I mm-hmm. think a lot of the, I think. The stagnation that some people see in some of their franchises can be, you know, n- you know, kind of messed with a little bit if they just, you know, imagine if they were like, we want to do a really gritty Zelda game. Imagine if they gave, you know, Bethesda $50 million <laughs> to make it, you know, like, and you get all of the people that love Zelda and you get all the people that love Skyrim and Fallout and the sensibilities, the hardcore se- gaming RPG sensibilities that you would get from a company like that. I know mm-hmm. that's weird and maybe unintuitive and maybe it wouldn't work but I think that they need to worry more about that than buying a company that is quite equivalent to them in terms of sensibilities which Sega yeah. is yeah they've yeah. tried some of that right more with Japanese companies but you know they've, they've taken kind of like the advanced wars feel and given it to you know Battalion Wars given it to a new developer they, they gave Star Fox to Namco with horrible consequences they yeah. gave uh, F-Zero to Sega Smash right? Brothers so they've used and then now Smash Brothers with Namco Banda right yeah. so um, they've done that a little bit but I honestly think they look at Western games like a, a developer like Bethesda and think that's something completely different from what they want to build. You but know, they like have they, Western developers, and whenever they use them, they generally been producing pretty awesome games like Punch yeah. Out for Wii and of yeah. course Metroid Prime. But, but nothing like I that. I don't think they're sitting there and going yeah. Grand Theft Auto. That's what we need on on our console. I think they think that's for somebody else to do, and they don't want to get involved with yeah. it. Just like I mean, the no-brainer for Pokemon is for it to go open-world MMO, right? Even like if that. That was a an online free to play game. It would be the biggest freaking thing in the universe. Yeah, right? huge. I mean, uh, that that's the thing that's confusing to me is that Nintendo has you know I grew up a Nintendo fan and and love those games. I'm always they're always going to hold a special place with me. Like you know we've been talking about doing our top twenty five individual play, you know games and I was kind of going through my head. And I'm like fifteen of these are like Nintendo games, yeah. you know, or NES games or SNES games, but. You know, today what I really want is something a little, a little different. You know, like, uh, like something that compels me a little bit more. I, I think maybe facilitating third-party, you know, relationships which they just don't do well would, you know, nip that in the bud and allow them to focus their core franchises and their and their great studios that they already own on the things that they want to do. I mean, because they can produce things like Advance Wars or Fire Emblem um, that are hardcore games, or go out and reach out like they did with Square Enix back in the day to get you know Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which is. One of the great GBA games and the DS, you know, follow-up was great. Like, I, I want something more like that. 
uh, yeah. on my Nintendo platforms. And what's weird is that the heritage of a lot of these series are actually on Nintendo platforms. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, they will take chances on, you know, very Japanese or very Japanese-aimed games. I mean, they, they wrapped up Monster Hunter. Right, yeah. that's brilliant. It's still theirs, yeah. right? I mean, the Freedom. You, which one is coming to Vita? It's, it's the, the freedom, online one. Yeah, yeah Freedom Unite or Freedom Unite. I don't know. Yeah, I forgot yeah. the name, but yeah. you, you they know announced what I mean. that at TGS. Right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and they also saved Bayonetta. We'll see how that works out for them. They yeah. also uh, have the exclusive on uh, Dragon Quest. That's still a Nintendo only thing, right? Yeah, they yeah, should. But why yeah. did they do what they did to it? You know, that was the mm. <laughs> that was the weird thing. Like, what why? the MMO? Yeah, like yeah. why did you do that? Mm. Like people don't want that out of Dragon Quest you know mm-hmm. I think the, I think that's kind of played out yeah. pretty obviously when, yeah. you, when you consider a game like Dragon Quest 9 and how you know that was a fun game and how well that sold on um, on DS, DS or even yeah. like and, and now it's kind of playing out and giving kind of a malaise to the rest of the series when we don't get Dragon Quest 7 on, on DS you know locally um, right, because they're not gonna, they're not gonna, they didn't say anything about bringing that game over, right? No. The, so no, like, that's yet. weird. Like, you I, think, I that, think it'll be a 2014 game. But I hope it's so. A, it's a guess. I'll buy like, that. Honestly. I'll buy the shit out of that. Game. Oh, do you guys don't curse on this podcast? Uh, so. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, one or two. I'll, I'll buy that. I, I, I love that game. You know, you're and, saying and, this, the port of seven to DS? Yeah, that's so that 3DS. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, not, that's a thing. Yeah, so far not announced for well, the West, but probably happening. I hope seven and ten get announced together. So Square's making weird decisions. So like, who knows what they're even. <laughs> when I saw when I saw that Final Fantasy VI getting the same treatment that they gave five on like Android and iOS, mm-hmm. I almost lost my mind. Because yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I was just like, "What? Are you, why are you doing this yeah. to this? To now you're getting in the sacred territory." With yeah. What are they doing to it? They're giving it like that weird, sharp graphical look that they gave. You know, like with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'll show you pictures later. Like all like, the bravest. You're talking yeah, about like ATV. all the bravest. Exactly yeah. right. Like that. That really. It, it actually looks nice, but why are you messing with this beautiful pixel art that was? They're redoing so, every bit of art in it for yeah, like it's all. I'll show, there's like really great shots of five, especially where you huh. like put them side by side. It's like, why did you do that to that game? But yeah, they're just that's just all, that company is just that game is so that's a whole other huge. Podcast. I can't believe they even messed <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or five. Or five. I think that yeah. wraps it up for reader questions. If you want to move on, all right. So this is far and wide my, one of my favorite series. Oh, nice. Growing up playing, that. yeah, no, I've always had a, a soft spot for Castlevania. I'd like to go around the room and quickly talk about your first Castlevania, and maybe sort of include into that answer what makes a great Castlevania as part of it. Maybe we can save the second part of that question, but definitely, what was your first Castlevania? So, Colin, why don't you start? Um, so, my first Castlevania was the original one, and I probably played it when I was like five. Um, for the first time. So my neighbors, where I, where I grew up on Long Island, you know, we had like 10 or 15 NES games and we would buy a few a year. My brother's, you know, 12 years older than me. So he's the one that really got me into gaming when I was very young. And our neighbors had everything. So we used to go over and like pick through their games. They literally had probably at the end of the console cycle at that point, probably 150 NES games. And we would go through and I was like, I was fascinated with the cover art of Castlevania. It's a little scary and a little, you know, you know, the beautiful castle, and I was obsessed with, like, building things with blocks and making, the, you know, trying to mimic these castles and playing this game. And what, what's so special about it is that it's short. It's six stages long. You could beat the game in, like, 20 or 25 minutes if you know what you're doing, but it's challenging. makes yeah. you feel like you're going somewhere. It makes you feel like you're on a journey. This is a common theme in castle in the, in the NES Castlevania trilogy that, 
is very special that really sets that game apart in the ambience and the music. Yep. Also yeah. extraordinary. Fantastic. Um, so the original Castlevania was my, my, my first. Not my favorite, but my first. Yeah. Yeah, mine is mine is a little later. Um, remember, I grew up. My first console was the Fairchild Channel F, um, and <laughs> you know, so I, wish you still I grew had up. I, I grew up with Atari VCS, the Commodore sixty four computers, all that in Europe. Um, and when I moved to Japan, I ignored the NES when it first came out. My friend had one, but I, you know, I played some games on it. I saw Castle Castlevania, but the the first one I owned was Super Castlevania, so Akumajo Dracula, whatever yeah, it is, uh, right. for the uh, for the Super Famicom, the Super NES, and I booted it up. I'm like, oh my god, the music. You know, like it was, I, I loved games like Castlevania Act Razor that really used the Super Famicom sound chip to the max. And like I, I for the beginning, I didn't even care about the game. I just want to hear one more tune, mm -hmm. um, keep on playing through it. And then, you know, we talked about this last time, like the Mode 7 usage in that game was insane. What they used with rotations of the corridors and the backgrounds, everything was just really cool. Hmm. Love All that right. game. Um, so... Uh, I I see Castlevania in this interesting context in the 80s. Um, there was when I first played Castlevania One, which is the first game I played. I played them in order, everyone. You know, I just never stopped playing after the first one. Um, monsters were like a, a thing. Like the the classic monsters were like a thing in the 80s. And there's mm -hmm. these orange books at like every high school library that were like each monster. It would explain like the Wolfman and like the Mummy and like there are these books and like every one of my friends were like so into those. Then there was movies like Monster Squad, which is such a good movie, which like combines all the classic monsters into one movie. I think Universal owned those. It was just like a thing. And like Castlevania was actually like a hip like game for six, seven, eight year olds at the time. Like it was something that people cared about. It wasn't like a, it wasn't how we think of it now. It wasn't like a series. It was like, mm -hmm. it was the Nintendo game that treated these movie monsters everybody talked about and saw in popular culture as like you know part of the game subject and yeah. it was just so brilliant and it, like and they they knew in japan that was a popularity too so they knew that going into it but it was hip like everybody i knew was just like oh yeah it's so cool did you fight the wolfman so that's cool. it you know? yeah. So, yeah i guess like, the wolfman isn't in castlevania one but yeah you you drop into a new area like the golem you know and like yeah. i love when people say a frankenstein by the way it's yeah. awesome that's frankenstein's <laughs> monster Come on. yeah yeah well yeah. Yeah. yeah but in the instruction but, manual i don't know if it said i don't know it probably said of Frankenstein. Yeah. Mm. But I, I, when I think about Frankenstein, I don't think about the doctor or the <laughs> no, monster. I just I. think about Castlevania 1's Frankenstein Vic, with yeah. the Igor on his shoulder Victor pissing you off. Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. But and, so and, and to that point, you know, obviously Contra was, you know, all over the alien movies at the time, which are really popular right. with aliens uh, just haven't been out. And um, there was other games that just like we were tie-ins to just, like pop culture. And, and the mm. NES just did that. Like there was games like Mega Man and Mario, which are just out of the blue. But then there's games that like were like Marketed as a generic version of like popular things, and that's what yeah. that's what mm. Castlevania and never thought was about to me. And that's it was in interesting because Contra was really kind of pushing it right there. Some of Rambo the designs like in, in in those games looked just like the movies they were based on, and those yeah, were recent Turkey movies, right? Like Nin Nintendo got in some trouble with the King Kong estate over Donkey Kong as well. Dracula was in the public domain for mm -hmm. like 60 years or something by the time <laughs> that they made the first one of these games. I don't know about all the characters. I bet there's some in the Castlevania games that were actually protected at the time, but you know, most like the mummy, all that kind of stuff. I will say I was scared by games when I was a kid. I remember Me certain too. ones, but not Castlevania. Oh, yeah? I don't think remember. I yeah, remember I it ever be, being treated so, yeah. in like kind of a cool party monster way. Yeah, I don't think they were ever going to like scare you. I mean, it was cer it was certainly dark, a darker palette than a lot of the games I remember kind of. Then again, that'd be weird. No, Contra had 
like a dark color palette, and so did some weird things like you know Friday the Thirteenth or something like but, when it's at night. But mm-hmm. the move, the music was also so gothic. The mu- music is actually fun, right? Yeah. It's not scary music. It's like this this kind of like pipe organ rock mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Not and in the first like, one. I think yeah. when you get the Simon's Quest. The, the the music is scary. I think I like. I yeah. think Simon's Quest is authentically a maybe frightening that, and ambient. Maybe it was ambient. scary yeah. about scared from the the turning day to night. I remember being a little spooked yeah, well, out that, by that. Yeah, yeah, like where it just pops up and it's just. Well, that ties into yeah. My my first game that I can remember was Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest, and I so I had two games that I was very passionate about growing up, and it was Metroid. And it was Castlevania 2. And mm-hmm. up until like years later, I didn't realize, wow, it's a, a lot of it is because they have a similar structure, right? They're both based around a lot of exploring. Like Zelda 2 didn't grab me as much. Other games that sort of had that idea didn't have me as much. These two games really, and I guess because I was into like hmm. space marines or just space in general, like anything to do with sci-fi and, uh, and monster movies and horror movies, to, to Sam's point. But uh, I remember as a kid playing it and going, wow, this is... So there's day and there's night. And at night, the monsters are harder. So you don't want to like venture outside of the towns because if you don't have the right equipment or if you're not like leveled up properly you're going to be in a lot of trouble um you can die even when you die like it's it was kind of scary the noise that would would the game would make yeah i can, yeah, I can hear it in my head i couldn't the echo. It. yeah it like the music stops out. yeah right like and it's like mm-hmm. yeah and, and it and yeah. it's very sudden. Like you'll drop like with Simon or Trevor, whoever you're playing as, will yeah. always drop like a rock. Yep. And like you know, and you know you're gonna die. Yeah. And when, you, and when you uh-huh. jump, you're jumping, and you can't change direction mid-flight. Like you are committed to that jump. So if you fall <laughs> short, it's just like, well, there goes the music. There yeah. goes the game. Um, but I remember being really impressed by that. And even though I couldn't get very far in it because it wasn't, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but it wasn't very well translated. So I know, like, hit your head against a mountain. Like remember that mm-hmm. famous line? Mm. All that stuff really confused me. But I loved. Staying in towns and at night when the song would start up, for, uh, yeah. uh, what a horrible night for a curse! And you'd get that then and then and then I would just and the wraiths would appear. Yeah, yeah, and I would get totally lost in that game. How do you like the, the? There's a clue in that game to like kneel in the graveyard. That's yeah. just BS. It's not true. <laughs> you don't kneel in any graveyard. Yeah, there's there's one thing where you go through a graveyard <laughs> and kneel down later to get the diamond that like weapon that's like you don't even need. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, there's. I remember talking it's to so Jeremy mean. Parrish about this and like he was like there's some suggestions out of like the old school Konami guys in Japan that the game wasn't badly translated that it was intentionally misleading like much like <laughs> Zozo in Final <laughs> Fantasy 6 where nice. like everyone's lying to you in, in Zozo in Final Fantasy 6 oh, right like they're cool supposed thing, to yeah. lie to you and they're saying like these guys are not like they're kind of confused townspeople and they don't really know what's going on with the curse I've heard that's that about going over, you know, Eastern Link Europe. also Adventure of Link that some people are just like telling you stuff mm-hmm. just because they're just like, well, they're they're just, they don't fits. know. Yeah. They don't know anything. <laughs> like, I, I, it's, it, like, but it doesn't know, come knows? across well, though. Who knows? You know, like the, the thing that's special about Castlevania 2, and I, I think Castlevania 2 specifically is one of the most underrated and underappreciated games of all time, and that it's a it's begging for a remake, is that it's it's truly got an like there's atmosphere to this game, and and you feel like you're traveling. Like you get from Castlevania one where you're outside of the castle for only a, a minute, yeah. and then in stage four you like drop down and and you're like outside of the castle again for a minute. But otherwise you're in the castle and you're just trying to follow the map mm-hmm. and get to Dracula. You go back to the castle at the very 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 end of Dracula or, or Simon's quest, like and you and it's all destroyed and you go and you revive Dracula and you kill him. But everything mm-hmm. else takes place in Eastern Europe and. It's it's just cool to go to these towns and through these forests and these graveyards and fields and, and then you get like Nintendo Power and it has the map yeah and, and it's and all right now a big cartoon we talked about that on a video we did and it's so like cool. 
that that was one of the first games, very similar to Metroid, like you said, where you feel like you're going somewhere. Mm. And it's not even like the JRPG feel, like when you play Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or even Faxanadu or something, where you're th- that's like a JRPG like feeling like an RPG. This was an action game with the same mechanics as the original game, with the exception of that you now have like all of these weapons, yep. daggers and holy water and garlic and laurels. Yeah. And you have this like really behind the scenes, no one even really notices experience point system yeah. and health like system. When you system have to buy and, the items, yeah. like they completely changed the way the first game. When I it's went, awesome. when I finally played the first game, I was like, "This is so different!" Like I, I was yeah. thrown for a complete loop. And there was this was after then pretty it's soon so after weird. playing the you first game. You went back to play the first. Yeah, game. I went back, played the first game, and then I played three, and three changed my life. Like yeah, I three love is extraordinary. three. Three is one of my favorite. Like it's easily one of my top ten favorite games of all time. But yeah. that walks. Back the exploration and the RPG elements. It too. did, so yeah. It's really but, interesting. But it's that. a, it's, it's the soundtrack. It's, um, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of the levels, a lot of the, I mean, even like little Trevor's hair, how it like whiffs up every time he swung the whip. Every little thing about that game, I could just sit there and play um, forever. And when I found out that in Japan, when, well, first of all, um, just to kind of put this out there for readers, when these games came out in Japan, they originally came out on different hardware, uh, at least for one and two. They were both on the uh, Famicom Disk System. And MSX. There was an MSX yeah, version earlier so, on. Yeah, yeah, the very first Castlevania was remade like a dozen times, yeah. <laughs> I swear. It was an arcade game. It was an NES game. It was a Famicom Disk System yeah. game. And all the games are different. There's an ar- The arcade version, Haunted Castle, is completely weird and horrible. Uh, came <laughs> it came out on PS2. Music. Yeah, that, that's about all it has going for it. Um, <laughs> it's a good, really good arcade flyer, too. Yeah. Look yeah. that up. Look up Haunted Castle arcade flyer. It's so great. There's like a... a terribly dressed Dracula. There you go. And then there's like an 80s babe with like huge fro against like a gravestone. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, but um but with, with that game stinks though. Yeah. <laughs> but uh going uh just to that to my initial point was that um 3 when I finally heard what 3 sounded like in Japan it completely blew my mind because it was still a cartridge but Konami had uh an extra chip put into the Famicom uh, cartridge system. version. No, oh, no. The cartridge. it wasn't okay. on the disc system in that case. Uh, the the sound on the disc system was different because yeah. the disc system had an extra channel that did something called wavetable synthesis. You can look that up if you really care what that means. Mm-hmm. But uh, it basically added a little bit of an edge to the sound. And on one and two, I still think the NES versions kind of sound superior, at least in my opinion. There's just something to the, that music. But when I heard three, three completely blew my mind because it was a cartridge, but they had something called the v- VRC6 chip which was basically an extra sound and graphics processor, sort of. And it gave such an edge to the music. And I recently shared a playlist of it with Colin over IM. I'm just like, hey, you should listen to this, because I've been telling you about this forever. And he was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because these were these are iconic songs, right, like mm-hmm. in Castlevania. Like, when you turn Dracula's Curse on, and it's... You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and like it's scrolling and stuff, and it's like, and then you hear that pop in the Famicom version, and it's yeah. like, holy God Almighty, this is like, it changes the whole. Like, I can't imagine playing that game with that music, because the music in the original on the NES, the way we experienced it as kids, and we didn't know any better for so yeah. long, mm-hmm. was extraordinary. All right, audio footnote. Sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled conversation. To quickly illustrate the differences between Castlevania III, Dracula's Curse, and Akumajo Densetsu, the version that came out in Japan, let's do a little comparison. Okay, so here is the stage one theme called Beginning. Here's how it sounded in America.
okay, pretty nice. And now, listen to the version in Japan. Pretty different, huh? So let's just take one more example. This is one of my favorites. Let's play the song for the stage in the clock tower. Here's the version in America. And now Japan. Now, it's interesting because there were a few other differences besides just the music. For example, the character Grant in the Japanese version can throw a dagger at any time without um, using up hearts. If you know what Castlevania is and you know how the older uh, 8-bit era worked, you needed hearts to use a sub-item. In the American version, and that was his standard attack, by the way. In the American version, he had a short dagger that he would use to stab at enemies at a very close range. It made him very different to play because instead of having the ability to... sort of attack something far off in the distance and have that range, he was now sort of a close-up character, which made it kind of difficult, but in the end was, you know, just an interesting change. They also covered up some nudity. There was some nudity in the first screen uh, where you enter your name in Castlevania 3. Um, and also Nintendo uh, toned down some of the crosses uh, at the start of the game when Trevor is kneeling down in front of a monument. I guess he's praying. You see very different illustration. Anyway... That's it for this audio footnote. Now back to the show. Dracula's Curse is an extraordinary game. It, with the exception of Symphony of the Night, is easy to say like that's everyone's favorite Castlevania game. And that's my favorite Castlevania game too, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. But Dracula's Curse is easily the the best of the classic Castlevania games, yep. in my opinion. And why it's cool is because it marries one and two together really well. There's nonlinearity in the game. There's stages you'll never see depending yep. on how you play through the game, and it. 
it, it draws a thread from the original game through the third game, even though the third one takes place before yeah. one and two, which was yep. like a whole different thing that people didn't understand. Trevor is Simon's ancestor. That yep. timeline is so yeah. goofy. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I don't think... Oh, it's but, so silly. Yeah, what's cool... They outlined the timeline. It's not like Zelda. I like how there's a gap in the timeline with like the coolest part ever, which is like 1999, and it's like there's never been a game to describe it, and it's like this... Like there's some like kind of notes or something that somebody saw at one yeah. point where it like, describes what happens and like everything before and after that it's kind of like middling and they put out games about it all the time mm-hmm. but like there's this one important event in 1999 it's like really cool and I've never been a game about it yeah. but, but what I really loved about 3 and you know so there's a funny story about 3 too is my, my mom bought me this game it's like 6 or 7 and she came home and she you know she was out with my sister all day like at a track meet or something she came home and she had this silver NES box in her hand and I was like I was like, shit, she bought me track and field. Oh. <laughs> you know, and like, I remember like in my seven year old head being That's like, oh box. man. You know, or, and like, or worse, and, track and field too. Yeah. <laughs> and she handed it to me and it was Castlevania 3. And I don't even know if I was aware that this game existed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, oh my. And I like went and grabbed my brother, who was probably 17 or 18 at the time we played it. And what's cool is that, you know, you start in the village in the, in the beginning of the game and you start to realize that this game is having little touchstones on places you've been in one and two. And, you you see the background, the, the the vistas and like the, the the buildings in the background as you're being in the game. And you're like, maybe I went there in Simon's Quest. By the time you're like towards the end of the game, you're literally in places from Castlevania One, like literally in the same stage. And it's mm-hmm. so cool. I remember when you like you're. It's like the third or fourth stage from the end when you're in the first stage from Castlevania. You're in the first stage, and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah, you know, and they like bring back suddenly, the music. Yeah. yeah, suddenly like you're just yeah, it's the same you know the same music. Well, they called the, the Diddy Deja Vu like that, and I yeah. thought that was a great name for the song itself. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Like I, that's what I love the most about that game is yeah, you could find Alec. This is where Alucard comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sypha and Grant. You can have these other characters. It gives it a different feel. Different Blew powers. my mind when I found out that Alucard was Dracula. Back. How? Yeah, I didn't know that until <laughs> literally like college. I didn't oh, even really. Know. I, was I like, knew as a kid. I was, I was like, like, I didn't, or maybe high school. It, where it was late for me too. I was just like, I just never saw it. And I was like, and I was like, I think it was when I was writing the FAQs for on Game Faction yeah. these games and I yeah. like went and started like kind of doing some source reading and I was like I didn't even ever realize Dude, that as but a okay. kid I was, I was telling kids at school I was bringing the manual to school and I was like look it's Dracula serious? spelled backwards that's his son you guys need to watch more Roman Polanski movies from the 70s you'll see backwards Draculas too yeah but, uh, uh-huh. I don't get it no, there's. Uh, I'll explain it to you when you're older. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but three is still one of the great action side-scrolling games of all time, and mm-hmm. like a must-play. Very very hard. I just played through all the ca- the three Castlevania games very recently because I'm doing like a it goes up tomorrow. It's yeah. we're recording this today from the eight bit era. Or yeah, you just the eight bit era okay, only. And I was playing through Castlevania three, and I was actually talking to Pear while I was playing it for a little while, and I'm like. I used to be able to destroy this game <laughs> when I was like eight or nine, and it took me like half a day to beat it. You know, and I was like, I used to be able to kill this game. When I, it's, it was a little embarrassing for me because yeah. I still beat Castlevania one in like twenty five minutes, no problem. Simon's Quest used my own FAQ to get you know to find everything, which was a weird story too. But three brought back a flood of memories for me, and just that intro yeah. sequence specifically, and yeah. getting that art, and getting that context. Is awesome. I yeah. just love. I I hadn't heard about the the cartridge with a special chip. Just yeah. thinking about a business that says the music of this game is so important. We're going to spend extra money on putting yeah. this thing in here. We're going to make less money on the game, yeah. b- just because we're so committed to making it sound yeah. great. I think that's really remarkable. No, and, and they were one of the first companies, at least in my mind, that was going the extra mile on the music. Like the yeah. music. Uh, don't get me wrong. There are Nintendo games that had Capcom great music. is the only other one that really yeah. does it. And yeah. first party. But mm-hmm. Konami. I mean, just think about the music in in all of their games from that era and Super NES era too. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. amazing compositions and yep. and just technically really really good. Oh yeah, all of them. 
So um, another thing that surprised me about Simon's Quest to then end the 8-bit era, and let's go into the 16-bit, um, and I don't know if we want to talk about some of the portable ones. I never thought much of the Game Boy Castlevanias. I still don't. Castlevania yeah. Adventure, I got it when I was a kid. Yeah, I was I really did disappointed. Too. Yeah, me too. It's very vertical. and it's like, so slow. Yeah, yeah, it's like very plotting and... and mm-hmm. It didn't feel it was a, it was disappointing just as an aside like when you had the Mega Man games yeah. like Game Boy that were really straight ports. Those are good and those are excellent games. The sprites are a little big and, and stuff. And they mix but, up the bosses. Yeah, so, like yeah. you get some from two, some from three. Yeah, clever. Uh, but yeah, when you played Castlevania Adventure, it was like ah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the music was good. That's the only thing I yeah. remember. At least I remember was, eyeballs was okay. on bridges. Yeah, yeah. but um, Rolling. I like that in Simon's Quest there were multiple endings. That you had a good oh, ending, yeah. you had a middle, uh, sort of a middle ground ending, and then you had a bad ending. And there's a password system, so n- I think Nintendo Power <laughs> shared those passwords, and mm-hmm. so you could just put them all in and watch the ending. Yeah. And there's some like pretty invincible ones, I think, mm-hmm. and I just remember like seeing all the endings of that. And I think there's one with yeah. like the hand comes out of the mm-hmm. ground. Yeah, there's one where <laughs> there, well, there, there's three, right? There, two of them are in color. Yeah. One is where Dracula is really dead, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. no, Dracula is dead, but Simon lives. There's yeah. one where Dracula is dead and just Simon like dies, timeline, and yeah. then there's one where Simon dies, I think, yeah. or something. And then Dracula lives, and that's like the black and white. Yeah, Yeah. the black Mm -hmm. and white one. I think it's all about time. I think that's all it is. I don't think it has anything to do with deaths or finding things. I think it's like it all had to do with time. No, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I got the bad ending because I used the password because I couldn't figure out a lot of that game, and I don't know why I wasn't leaning on God. Well, how the hell would you know to equip the red crystal and then kneel down for ten seconds so the tornado? They really, they really didn't exist. There was little, (laughs) there was little pockets of information in Nintendo Power and Console. You spent a lot of money on phone calls. Yeah, I didn't play that one. Oh no, Castlevania Two. I always say is the quintessential recess playground game where. You're mm-hmm. talking to your buddies yeah. out at the slide, and you're like, "I got to, you got to get, you know, how do you get that that step in the first mansion? It's like you got to get by the white crystal from this yeah. dude, and then yeah. equip it, and then go step. in there. Yeah. It's like, it's like, and what? then invisible panels in the floors. <laughs> yeah. You have that, to yeah, know where throwing, those were. Well, I just you spit could, over the yeah, that's okay. Just throwing, throwing holy water. Yeah, everywhere yeah. you step, just to see, see if it goes through the floor. That takes me back to Atari VCS, like games like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where mm-hmm. we were just going like, "What do you do in this game? Like, mm-hmm. there's a weight oh, or ET. Like, yeah. I fell in the hole. What do I do? Yeah. Just like, stretch your neck really yeah, high. That's right. <laughs> so then uh, in the uh, oh no, sorry, you, did you, I? Yeah, I don't know if you're going to skip the most important of all Castlevania games. So a Super Castlevania Four. When uh, wait, 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 what do you mean? Are you <laughs> no, no, keep on going. Dracula? Wait, you about Kid no, Dracula? No, 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 you're right. Keep on going. No, because there was also Kid Dracula, which I don't know if anyone in this room has played. I've only watched videos of it. <laughs> yes, it's been a long time. It's very cute. It's yeah. and it's uh, it's funny because the the music from that game is sort of a, a reprise of the the initial like Castlevania the, the first stage mm-hmm. track. Like it's again that uh, what they eventually got called Deja Vu, but uh, it it's sort of mixed up and it's more cute no but super castlevania 4 and so into the 16-bit era castlevania got an eight directional whip castlevania got mode 7 graphics that looked really good yeah the game's beautiful and dude but the, it goes the back whip to... dangled yeah, yeah. The it was so cool you oh, could hold yeah, out could the hold whip it out, and it's yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah, right. so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can make it go in like all yeah, like, directions ah! <laughs> and remember when, when the coolest piece of technology in the 8-bit era was the swinging pendulum because you had to jump on it remember oh, time yeah. and then you'd ride it across and it, it felt amazing when you were like <laughs> a 6, 7 year old you're like oh my god that looks so cool and you didn't really do much but you, you landed the jump but uh, then you were like in Super Castle before you were physically swinging across gaps yeah, and trying Indiana to like Jones get the timing yeah. yeah and the whole room rotated around to yeah. like one of I mean Konami just think of Axel A going on all these games that used Mode 7 for like crazy, crazy results Parodius all that yep. they were the masters of that stuff yep. you liked so you liked 4 when you played it oh yeah I loved because it. that was what, a, again a, I think a step back in terms of just like gameplay it was more like Castlevania 1 I, than any other that's a remake of Castlevania 1 to be fair I mean it's mm-hmm. again it's it, it's sort of unspecified but it's Simon again going to the castle 
Castle. Yeah. And so Castlevania 1 has been remade way too many times, to be totally yeah, honest. I was never crazy about Super Castlevania. Like, I liked it. It was fun. I had it. It was special. I felt like the sprites were kind of big. Like, because, like, cause, like <laughs> what, what Sam was yeah, saying was that, really like, the, the, you're so accustomed to a certain thing, right? Like the reason Pear might like it is because, like so much. That is the because, first one. Yeah, it's because yeah. like that's and it's not even like a nostalgic thing. It's just like that's like your touchstone for Castlevania. Mm-hmm. And my touchstone for Castlevania is a little bit smaller, a little bit you know the game's definitely tighter in terms of gameplay. Yeah. But I still feel like yeah, there was like weirdness to that game. There's like a weird thing to that game. I feel the same way about Bloodlines. Like is the like, Belmont sprite the same for the first three games or just the two? No, it's no. He ch- it changes for every it game. For every because, game. But the Trevor's, animation that classic. Three cell yeah, animation. Like the, yeah, is the that same, whip, whip in and whip and out, the weird jump. But like, yeah, Simon has Simon ha- and like the second game has like red armor on and stuff like that. And then, but that's what it person. is though. It's just like kind of pixels on the same shape, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very similar shape. I have an action figure of Simon from from well two in, that, in yeah. the pixels. But Simon Belmont yeah. in two wow. has like it looks like black hair. Like he's not a blonde anymore, which was really <laughs> weird to me. Uh, at least when I was a kid, you know? ran out of colors. <laughs> Ran out of colors. To <laughs> where, did the idea of the, where did the idea of the furry shoulder pads come from? I wonder. Well, he was dressed like a Conan. Is that a Conan bar- thing? Yeah, That's what it is. Maybe. It's a barbarian yeah, thing. I, I thought as a kid. Well, when you look at the cover art, yeah, he. It's cool. Like when you look at the cover art, he has got like a, a sword or a dagger. Like you don't. He uses the dagger, but you don't really like. Yeah. He has all these like things. This beautiful armor on with fur and. Like, <laughs> Do you know where the whip came really from? Not really getting any of it. Yeah. The vampire is a vampire killer, right? Or, yeah. yeah you know I don't that, know. It's is, like, does that idea have down. a precedent besides like Indiana Jones or something? <sighs> Maybe. Like, I don't know. Where did I they come up with know. that? You know? Like, yeah, why, is it, why is it a whip? I take it for granted, but it is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just so I'm kind of surprised you two didn't think much of Super Castlevania 4 because my, 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 my little whatever year old mind was completely blown. I was like, hmm. maybe 10, 11, 9, something like that. I was like, wow, this is. Every, I cannot believe how much power you have because you're kind of overpowered actually a yeah. little bit in that game because you can whip in any direction. So you, in the previous games where you had to jump down to a platform, you can then whip vertically, or excuse me, horizontally at the enemy. But in this one, you're whipping diagonally. You're whipping on the way down. You can hold out your whip, dangle it, and just jerk yeah. it like this, and yes. it kills the enemy. Yes. Yes. It's yeah, so you funny. can just do like little loops. Um, oh, that's I kept on doing that for hours. Yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> it's a product. It's a product Maybe of the not. SNES era, right? Like yeah, I was playing Final Fantasy IV by then. You know. Mm. Yeah, that's this what. That, so that, that, that's the example I was going to use was like the, the SNES era to me represented we had series that were going in two different directions, right? When I think about Mega Man X, for instance, like Mega Man X is great. It's a great game. The, the three on SNES are great, but they're not as good as the old classic NES games. And I felt that same way about Castlevania, but it goes the other direction too when you think about something like Final Fantasy or you think about something like Metroid. You Super know, Metroid, like yeah. Super Metroid is really one of the great games of all time. Metroid oh, yeah. itself on NES is a fantastic game. So it goes both ways. It's like iterating on the formula and some worked a little bit better in my mind and some didn't. That was one of the examples of a game that was fun but that I didn't quite appreciate. Like I, I think Symphony of the Night could have come out on Super Nintendo. Like That's sure. what's always confusing to me. Like, why it wouldn't they have just, sounded as amazing, though. It yeah. would never have it's sounded true. as good as it did. True, but yeah. the, and the sounds are an important part of Castlevania, but man, like we, we saw some amazing Castlevanias on GBA and yeah. on DS that could have Oof. all been Super Nintendo games. That's right, yeah. And, uh, Those uh, games are awesome. like I felt a little bit robbed in the early 90s. Yeah. Circle because of the we just Moon, remake one. Uh, Harmony of Dissonance, that sounds right. Uh, Aria of Sorrow. Have you guys played the other uh, Super Nintendo Castlevania? There was one in Japan Rondo that didn't Blood. come yeah, out Rondo of Blood. here, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. I, down- uh, I downloaded it, I think, on, on Virtual it's Console. It's really bad. It's a port of the TurboGrafx game. Well, yeah, yeah PC Engine, for because mm-hmm. it never really came out for TuboGrafx, oh, at yeah. least in the Turbo- States. Yeah, it was a PC Engine game in Japan, and Japan only, until it ended up on PS 
PSP and the Dracula X. Yeah, Chronicles. Dracula X Chronicles. That's where I played. Yeah, yeah that no, game, no, that's sorry. That's what it's called in Super Nintendo. It's called Dracula X. Right, right. Yeah. What's, what's I have the Rondo of Blood is is the second the like the subtitle of that game. Oh, okay, basically. okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I I downloaded that recently. I think on virtual. Not recently. I guess it was like a few years ago it's on virtual really console. Bad. And I played it on PSP, but I only played it on PSP to get to the point where you can unlock Symphony of the Night on the on the on the oh, UMD yeah. and then mm-hmm. I can play that yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, actually, that that PSP version is still okay. Like that that's a, a that's a very Castlevania four type game. But the the Super Nintendo version is like really underpowered and just like a cast yeah. cast off. They did port. what they could, yeah. But it's true, they they did not have a a, a successful. And then port. there's Bloodlines on Genesis from that time. Yeah, Bloodlines. Too. Bloodlines is I, like, that had it's a, interesting. That, that game had a mystique because I wasn't a Genesis kid. My my buddy Steven at the time <laughs> was a Genesis kid, so we we went and rented it, and. There was something special about that game to me because I was like, I'm never going to get to play this game, so it's cool. I'm renting it for a weekend. But again, it had that same Castlevania 4 feel. Sprite's the right you were, size. You, yeah, yeah. It was a little different. Richter was the character in that game, right? So yep. that was our first introduction to Richter, who we then see a little bit of in Symphony of the Night. Yeah. But it was a little bit muddy, though. Like, the graphics weren't as sharp as as uh, 4. As they weren't beautiful. Well, yeah. just on the like, Super Nintendo, you mean? Uh, on yeah. Genesis, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Yeah, it's just, I, kind, I, of this, it's just kind of this mashy Genesis look to yeah, it. Yeah, he was really, like, burly, too. Like, he was very top-heavy. You must have played that, that being game. in Germany. I, I was in, in Japan at the time. Oh, okay. the, I had a Mega Drive, too, but honestly, okay. I did most of my playing on Super Famicom. There was okay. just something about Mega Drive that I did not like as much as, as the Super Famicom. Mm. Like... You know, except for Al- Aladdin for Genesis, obviously. Yeah, naturally, naturally, naturally not. Super NES. Yep, yep. No, sorry. I'm just doing a quick fact check because I'm pretty sure the main character of Bloodlines isn't Richter. Richter yeah, I have no idea from, who the characters uh, are. Yeah, Richter them. is Dracula X. Oh, okay. 100% positive on that. And well, let, me, let me look. The, the start I, of Symphony oh, wait, of the Night. I, yeah, it, it's I'm just right it's now. John Morris. He's not even a Belmont. Oh, okay, I'm thinking yeah. of a different dude then. Yeah. Oh, he kind of looks similar. Does he have blue armor? I'm looking at the screenshot here. Yeah, there's also Eric. Eric Lacard. Are you guys talking about in Bloodlines? Yeah. It's John Morris. Yeah, yeah, it's a guy named John Morris. And, and that's he, why he looks strange and he he almost he looks he doesn't different. look like a Chaos Castlevania yeah, character. He's kind of backed up. Like I mean his arms are huge. He looks really big and uh even though that game, I don't know. I I I've, I've never really had strong feelings about it. Um somebody out there does though, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. no, no, for sure. But you guys asked about influences. A lot of the the characters are influenced from from Bram Stoker's already novel uh, 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 old novel, obviously mm-hmm. the original Dracula. Like a lot of the characters never appeared in movies except for like the Coppola like the cowboy character and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're definitely they kind of take stuff, they change the names around a little bit. They take some some characters from gothic novels like Der Vampir and stuff. Well, by the time Symphony but, came yeah. around, there is a mythology that started with Castlevania where they would just go into like kind of you could get like a book of like ancient myths and monsters. Yeah. And uh, and they would just take all those names of like all those yep. like crazy like you know, Sumerian ghosts and the, and like stuff like that like P- Pazuzu is yeah. like a character. It's like that's like a you know some like old gargoyle ghost from Sumeria. You know like, why that became like a character or Lilith. Yeah. You know like mm. these are just like these are names they just appropriated and they kind of made the characters look like that and they're in every Castlevania now. Behemoth and I don't know there's yeah. just so many. Well, that's, the, that's Legion. The, that's the way I feel that Final Fantasy was I like that. I learned so much like I didn't you know when you're playing like especially 6 with all the espers and oh, you're yeah. like and all these names Odin yeah and, like and you're like yeah. what the hell is and you realize these are all kind of you know mythological Shiba. characters and it's very similar. Like these are these are like strings back to you know nineteenth century literature that you didn't read when you were eight years old. It's such had no a, idea. And it's a mashup Gilgamesh. of all those. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense to us. Maybe it makes more sense to Japanese audiences, like why they're mashed up because they're all like maybe no, seen as maybe European horror myths or something. I, I don't think so. I think it was just the these guys were they were 
remember, this is an age where there wasn't such a thing as a designer. Like you were a programmer and a and a designer at the same time, or a musician and a programmer. Like the the jobs, like people were looking for inspiration. I think they just bought themselves books on mythology, and yeah. you know, somebody grabbed and you know an Indian uh, deity and put him in Final Fantasy. You know, like we still have him mixed in with a Norse one. I think they just mashed everything up and they loved yeah. it. I, it did. Yeah. I think it's so cool. Though. Yeah. Like I just think it's so funny that there's such just a crazy mishmash of. of obnoxious like random mythology it's so cool yeah sure. no, i love sure. it too yeah um, god i just realized there's so much ground to cover with all these eras we may not be well, able to get the, to them all today jump forward to the most important game castlevania 64 <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no no legacy, of, <laughs> legacy darkness. of darkness with that green that neon green box <laughs> yeah, no, and, no, it, we, and I, it includes 64 in it i refuse to do that if we don't talk about symphony of the night first because chronologically <laughs> symphony of the night came first <laughs> i, I am just, i would totally 100 be against that but i i do want maybe we should end on symphony and then yeah. pick this up another symphony time. is the best one obviously yeah. So iconic. And yeah, but, like all the buildup of ideas like led to Symphony, which had an incredible soundtrack. They brought back Alucard and made him so cool. Like he, he was incredible. The voice, the voice that actor they had from such a deep like baritone, like really. Uh, yeah. I think it's kind of like Resident Evil, though. It's kind of cheesy, and people like it. For I that thought reason. his delivery was fine. I thought the guy who played Dracula and that whole miserable pile of yeah, secrets really was funny. like, well, I'm surprised that so actor didn't awesome. first. Uh, did, did, <laughs> yeah. Was there staff that worked on? Like that game that worked on any of the early games, or did that just start a new era of Castlevania? So, if my memory is right, there was a split in staff, and certain because that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's what I uh, that's coming to mind. That a certain portion of the staff, I think the veteran staff, went off to make um, Symphony, and another set of the staff went off to make Sixty Four. And it's just interesting because I think the expectation was Sixty Four was going to be the better game, (laughs) and. Haters gonna hate about sixty four. I don't think that game is bad. It is not. It's not that bad. But it's not what we expected. It is. This is Konami at where it it struggled the most to find its footing. When when things went three D, they had every every franchise they had. They struggled with. They didn't even attempt Contra at the time, right? Like, but like I'm a big Goemon fan. When they went three D, that was the closest thing to a three D Zelda, but it was so broken and like it was. That was Legend of the Mystical Ninja. No. the first one that came to the the N sixty four one, yeah. Remember, what was that called here? I think it's uh, yeah. Mystical Ninja sixty four, yeah. starring yeah. Goemon or something like that. Some mm-hmm. stupid translation. I don't know. Quest sixty four. But Castlevania sixty four. <gasps> I was so excited when they announced it. I was like, oh my god, if they can do for three D what they did with Mario sixty four, like for, for this franchise, it's gonna be amazing. And then when we f- saw saw the first demo, and I played an unfinished game, it was a clock tower. You were running around on the gears and run like it, it ran at. 60 frames per second. Huh. And we said, well, what about the music? They're like, ah, um, yeah, the music is going to be added later. And then what happened throughout development is they added music and, and they wanted complex, awesome music. 
in the N64, it 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 just brought down everything to a crawl. Mm. You know, because you had to use the processor, the main processor, to to run this music. The more channels you had, the worse it got. And yeah. so the next time we saw a demo, it was crawling and awful. And we're like, no, what happened? What happened? Yeah, it's too, so, yeah. It's too bad. It's just it like it, they, they weren't ready for the step into 3D, and the N64 was the wrong machine, right? Like the PlayStation would have just streamed the music off the disc, and they wouldn't have had an issue. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So, so let's cool. uh, just wrap up then with Castlevania um, Symphony S- of the Night, S-O-T-N. right? Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget when I first played that game. I was uh, really excited. I was in high school. I borrowed it through a friend who told me it was really good, but I had already had an admiration for Castlevania, so I was looking forward to it. And I mean, that compositions by um, uh, Michiru Yamane, like absolutely Amazing. incredible so many different styles of music too right it wasn't just the sort of or- organs and and you know sort of the layered like i don't know stuff you'd hear at church like it, it was way more than that it had like weird jazzy like rock at some rock parts. jazz yeah. quartet like classical yeah. quartet stuff oh, yeah. so good um and i i mean and on top of it being just exploration based and sort of like metroid which was again another one of my passions it just completely yeah. it was one of the best games i ever played yeah, it still is. That kind yeah. of cemented the, like, to me, that became, you know, and I started with the more linear game, the totally linear game, but that kind of created what, what Castlevania should be in my mind, right? Like that mixture of the Metroid-style exploration and and that awesome kind of, you know, hand-to-hand combat. And, um, and like, that's why I was happy to see the handheld, the later Nintendo handheld games go in that direction, right? The Castlevanias that followed afterwards mm-hmm. and kind of, I felt it was a pity when we saw it go into like true 3D with the uh, what was it on the PlayStation 3 oh, Legacy the, of Darkness. The, or... Yeah, like I thought that was that was almost like hey, we saw what God of War is doing, we're going to try to adjust the franchise oh, to that. Yeah, and now they're, now they're doing that full with, with yeah. Wars of Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, Which I was, isn't a bad game at all. I, I was hoping that it would be more like Symphony of the Night, but in like a 3D setting. That would yeah. be so That'd be great. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of like what Darksiders ended up kind of being like in a mm-hmm. way. Or like, yeah. Yeah, like Symphony of the Night was one of those games, my second PlayStation game, Final Fantasy VII was my first, and I bought it not knowing anything about it. I was like, it's a Castlevania game, and I love Castlevania. The box art is bad. Um, if you remember that jewel case, it's just very plain. It doesn't mm-hmm. tell you anything. No. You put it in, and it takes you 10 minutes to realize that this game is extraordinary. And like when I think about not your favorite game of all time, but the best games of all time, you could very easily make the argument that Castlevania Symphony of the Night is the best game ever made. And as soon as it turns upside down, yeah, you can make that call. Like you can, This is the beauty of the game. is You can beat the game you know, in seven hours or whatever, and not know that you didn't really beat the game because you're not attacking the right part of Dracula. And then the inverted castle, you do it all over again, all these hidden nooks and crannies. It's an extraordinary game. Then when you beat it and master it, you try to break it by using the mist to get out of the castle. Yeah. And you can get like 217% or something on the map. Like all this, it was like one of the, it was an eye-opening experience to me. And like the, the obviously the touchstone back to Super Metroid is extraordinary in that game. And I never understood, like, when Circle of the Moon came to GBA, when I bought my Game Boy Advance, the day it came out, and Circle of the Moon was a launch game, and I was obsessed with it, and they started bringing them almost every year, 18 months out, and then they just stopped. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Why are you stopping? Like, this is an annual thing. You should be doing this like Madden. Just put just put, mm-hmm. just put, put a map together and give it to me and hide things in it yeah. and put these beautiful sprites in there mm-hmm. and let me fight them, and I'll buy that game every year without fail. And, yeah, and I We was talk so about di- this all the time. I completely agree. I was so disappointed when they and they stopped doing it like now like so what five or six years ago and and mm-hmm. 
those games were, were awesome because they all felt like Symphony of the Night. And it's very similar to how we feel about certain other formulas like the Mega Man formula or the Final Fantasy formula where you can do it, or Dragon Quest is a better example, where you can do it over and over again. People will buy it. Yeah, yeah it's the concept. The formula. It's yeah. the concept of the hit factory, right? A developer wants to make sure that they spend their efforts only on the biggest stuff, right? To them, they want to have a hit like a Grand Theft Auto, right? Or a Halo or, you know, a Mario where every two or three years they release one and it does multi-million in sales. And, you know, some companies just kind of abandoned the games that did a couple hundred thousand units. But well, they did it, do like, it too. I mean, that 2D-ish one last year. Harmony of Despair or whatever. Yeah, yeah but that you, was you different. That, that oh, was no, very different. Mirror of Fate. Mirror of Fate. Oh, yeah, yeah the yeah. Nintendo fans are not happy with me about that review, but... But, I don't blame well, you. I don't, but that, that game, game, that game no. is not. That game's that bad. Game is not good. And, and it's not just because it doesn't have sprites. Like it doesn't fit together. Right? No, it doesn't. This was the problem with that specific game. Was the you know Mercury Steam pretends like they don't want to mimic what has happened in the past, and they and they prove that with Lords of Shadow. Lords of Shadow has a lot of connections to Simon's Quest, by the way. And we can talk about that another time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but that's just disingenuous with that game because that game is supposed to be like Symphony of the Night in the sense that you're exploring a non-linear map, finding things that are hidden, going back and backtracking, kind of going about it the way you want to do it. But it felt vacant and heavy. You know, mm -hmm. it didn't feel like that should have been a more action-oriented Symphony of the Night or Circle of the Moon right. style game with better mechanics mm -hmm. and not these arena-style God of War battles. It's just yep. a bad game, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was an insult to the handheld Game Boy Legacy <laughs> or the handheld Castlevania Legacy, which was so extraordinarily strong. Not even yeah. strong, but extraordinarily strong. No, they built it up just, for sure. Just from kicked GBA, it in the face. Yeah, GBA ones aside. <laughs> no, I agree with them. And I spoke to the producer for that game and was like, hey man, I see you're bringing back a lot of classic elements. Where's the music? And he's like, well, people like the this guy's score in the last game. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But in Castlevania, the music is very much a part of that series. Like, you can't really divorce that and do this ambient thing. Like, I don't think that really works that well and he was like we think it does this is our interpretation this is where we're taking it and i'm just like it's weird because you can have a composer who does a different take on established themes right yeah. we see this in nintendo games all the time where like koji kondo composed something but like hajime wakai or a different composer mm -hmm. will do a take on it and do it differently and i think that's clever i could definitely see them you know pay homage to some of the yeah. original themes because they're so memorable and to me it's like you know if if if, if there's a starry starry sky and a freaking x-wing flies at you i expect to hear a certain theme and if you tell me that oh we're going to do something a little different and it's like then it's not star wars yeah right? exactly that's, that's 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 the way i felt about mirror mm -hmm. of fate was that it's not castlevania it's just something that's not nearly as good as castlevania and, and yeah. i don't i don't feel that this is the ironic thing is that i don't feel that way about lords of shadow at all and, and i think lords of shadow really understands castlevania actually mm -hmm. it's extraordinarily well it's the best 3d castlevania game by a mile yeah, like sure and lords of shadow too when we played it in tokyo was fun. It was a good mm -hmm. game. I enjoyed it. I was like, I'm really excited about it. But Mirror of Fate, man. Mm -hmm. God so you, almighty. So do you think they're going to take it back? Now, this is Mercury Steam's last Castlevania yeah, game, I hope right? They, I and hope so they give it back to the people that do, are going to do it a little bit more love, but in the old school sense. In yeah. the old school. Yeah, because obviously these guys are really excited about this this game and their game. And, you know, they 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 believe in what they're doing. But, you know, we, ha we of course, being older gamers, have this sense of nostalgia for the for the series. Like my, my kids don't give a you know, don't give a crap about what yeah. Castlevania is like. My they play a game, they're like, either. oh, this mm -hmm. is awesome, right? The, mm -hmm. the, they couldn't get into the 3DS one, by the way. They tried, and they're like, eh. Well, well. They didn't like how it felt. But, yeah. but like, they, it's not precious to them. But for us, it'd be great to get this kind of nostalgia kick back, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. Give it back to the guys at Konami that, you know, understood the Metroidvania style, that beautiful 
that beautiful art, that beautiful vivid color palette. You know, that was what was missing in Mirror of Fate was it was just drab and boring looking, you know? Yeah, yeah. Castlevania wasn't about seeing flying buttresses in the background. It was about seeing a turret that for some reason stood there even though you didn't understand how it was up there to begin with. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't rooted in, you know what I mean? It wasn't rooted in like a gothic reality. It was its own gothic reality. That's a good and point. That's what they don't quite understand, I think. Now, no, you know, I think they did a nice job with the console games, and I hope the second one's as good as the first one. Yeah. But but Mirror of Fate was such a disappointment because Dude, it, it if you want to go so play fun. recent Castlevania games that are good, though, I think Ecclesia is such an awesome order of game. Ecclesia. Yeah, 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 they tried to shake really up the formula in that one too. I don't yeah. like Portrait Ru- of Ruin as much, but that one's cool too. Um, but then I think DS is uh, Dirt. Dawn of Sorrow. Dawn like of Sorrow. Yeah. I think Ecclesia. What do you? What? How did you say it? I think it's Ecclesia. I don't really. No, know. Uh, Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Yeah, yeah, I always said yeah. Ecclesia, but um. Like yeah. I think I had more fun with that game. I only played Symphony of the Night for yeah. the first time seven years see, ago. See, so I, was I had more bit, fun with yeah. Ecclesia than I had with Symphony of the Night. I was a little mixed on that one because I, I see felt like the, the, the the switch up was a good idea, and I especially liked that they had a a lead female. You know, sort of that was your Is new it Charlotte character. Charlotte in that one. Uh, no, she has a different. She's in Portrait. Yeah, but you know what? We should uh, probably save like some of the. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. a part two to this in cool. maybe yeah. two weeks, not next week, but because uh, we have some other stuff going on. I'd be curious to hear from from listeners out there, you know, and and maybe that ties into your question of the week. But you know, are there are there fans of the the last 3DS game, um, you know, who really really enjoyed Shinoa. it after playing it? How was that? Shinoa. Yeah. Sorry, you know, it's I know cool. a lot of people disagreed with with Colin's review before they played it. It would be awesome to hear um, what people thought after they uh, after they played the game if they genuinely enjoyed it and if so if they have a long time affinity towards the series and this is you know the fifth game in the series that they play and they really enjoyed the new direction writers nvc at ign.com yeah that surprised me specifically when I put that review up, and I remember talking to Jeremy and, and you uh, mm. about, uh, you know, we were all, like, we're down on it. We're like, this no. game's not good. I wrote a and preview so I wrote up yeah, saying it. I was like, this, as much as they want it to be a tribute act, it doesn't feel like one. Yeah, and yeah. I reviewed it, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I, the, 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 the uh, the vitriol and hate that I received with that review actually really <laughs> surprised me because like you sometimes we write a review you kind of know you know yeah. and this one I was like I'm trying to save you guys from you know <laughs> getting involved in a game you really don't want to but yeah, they didn't want to hear it, it. just yeah. like yeah, yeah you can skip this one that'll be a good one you yeah. know? Yeah. that's all you're trying to say I say love you do each of them yeah. all right so let's quickly do some news uh, or should we just move on. Because we are a little over already. I think that, I mean, yeah. the only news item is that Nintendo revealed their financials, right? So like, so yeah. we should go into that one out of all okay. of them. So, you know, they sold in July through September 300,000 units Oof. for the Wii U in uh, April through June before that 160,000. So, I mean, they did get, they almost doubled the number of units they sold, but that is far behind what they were expecting to sell, of course, right? And it, uh, we already have. We outsold uh, it, right? Huh? We outsold Wii U. And I don't know if that's oh, that's true. Yeah, I saw really? a story saying yeah. Oh, wow. That's why they had to stop making. Yeah, it. and so that's just a guess. Just yeah. you know, they their target was to sell nine million units in total by the end of their fiscal year. Just to compl- to to explain how you know fiscal years work. Every company is different. Nintendo's fiscal year actually ends in March, so that is their Q4 as January through March. They want to get to nine million. So now the total install for the Wii U is three point nine one million worldwide. So they got to that in about ten months. Uh, by comparison, uh, you know the PS3 got to that uh, to 3.9 million after about six months. You know, so the Wii U is definitely lagging behind machines, and the PS3 was not considered to be a huge success. That was a very expensive machine and struggled in the early years. It's a fine yeah. stake pair. So you know, uh, it's I think it's going to have a really hard time getting to nine million by by the end of the fiscal year. I don't think they're going to make it, but you never know, right? Like just look at how the last console war was shaken out with the you know the Wii was leading 
increasing sales like crazy. The PS3 360 really rebounded, and, and uh, you know the 360 caught up um, worldwide. The you know the the numbers look pretty good for all the different consoles. So you never know what's yeah. going to happen. As far as Nintendo's you know solvency uh, is is they made they made a small profit of like something like six million dollars. You know that's um, that's good. Uh, I think they had a huge loss. Yeah, last uh, the. The last year's loss was 186 million dollars. You know, wow. first time Nintendo had been losing money. The DS um, is keeping them afloat. The though. DS, well, the, mostly it's honestly 3DS. the exchange rate. Nintendo, I've said this before. It's Nintendo not is more the no. Rate. Nintendo is more of a bank than it is another business. Like they have such huge cash reserves that the mm-hmm. the yen course can have a huge impact, and especially when you know the sales are high here. Of course, the 3DS is helping. The, the Wii U, motels are helping. The Wii U is not yet a successful business for them. Uh, they they sold a fair amount of software, 6.3 million units, which is good, right, mm-hmm. for the Wii U. But that's not enough software to turn Wii U sales into a profit because they're losing money on yeah. the hardware. So and this is one of the first times yep. they're losing money on a, on the hardware in general. Usually, profit is built into their pricing model, but yep. they had to cut this price uh, relatively early. So good check in for you know the first six months into this fiscal year. Sales are up, but not up enough. And, you know, given the fact that there are new machines coming out next month, I think they will continue to strug- struggle with the Wii U, whereas the 3DS is, is freaking soaring, right? What they sell, like, uh, another oh, 3.89 million units in the last six months. So that thing wow. is a success. Um, almost as many units in the last uh, six months as in the time period before that. The yeah. year Does it have 2DS then, sales so. figures? 2D and the 1DS. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> software 3DS, 27.3 million yeah, units. That's, so that's that's thing is that thing is working really yeah. well. And it's struggled when it when it first came out oh so. yeah yeah, yeah it was ir- that, i'm sorry go ahead is that animal crossing that's doing that right now well Still now well yeah because pokemon wasn't counted yet yeah. this yeah. was yeah. through september that's yeah. the big thing yeah. when i was reading those numbers was yeah, there's no pokemon yet yeah yeah it's it's you know i never you can never really underestimate what nintendo can do with their hardware i mean i learned firsthand when when i said that vita was gonna clobber 3ds based on the situation before the vita came out when everyone was really high on it and mm-hmm. sony kind of messed that up and Nintendo delivered a really clever coup de grace at that point when they were like by the way we have a new Mario game and a Mario Kart game on DS like the same week 3DS the same week Vita came out just just put its foot up its butt like, <laughs> the, 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 the second that the system came out it's a brilliant move yeah. I think the the I think the uh, the situation for Wii U is not going to really improve very much though I, I it's going against the HD twins the new HD twins which is going to mm-hmm. be tough for it but we have to like the way thing I, the way I feel about the Wii U is you kind of have to keep like relative numbers in mind in terms of everyone's like well, you know Smash Brothers will save it or Mario Kart will save it but I don't think so Mario Kart didn't and and Smash didn't sell extraordinary numbers on N sixty four or GameCube you know yeah. enough to like enough to like really change the trajectory of it not being like beat by its competition so yeah. Yeah, while I think point. that I think millions of units of both those games are going to sell I will buy a Wii U as soon as Smash comes out but yeah. Um, we have, it, you got to keep the relative numbers yeah. in mind. Like think, this is uh, the, Mario Kart's not going to sell twenty five million copies no. on Wii U. It'll sell maybe a few million, five. Yeah, million. I think it's, it sold really well on Wii, but the install base was so big. I mean, how could it not? It's yeah. timing too, right? Uh, if they could have gotten people to buy Wii U's this first year with Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, then people would have been buying. The, it would have snowballed. Yeah, yeah. It, it in was some, mis- some way. They, it, they don't even have those games out yet. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, well, it's clear they're struggling with HD development, right? Like, and these yeah. are problems that Sony and Microsoft and their first parties and all the third parties already went through. So, yeah. like, they don't have any problems. And now that PS4 and Xbox One are going to be out in a couple of weeks, like that's. You can't like I understand they dropped the price, but even with a whatever two hundred fifty dollar 
or three hundred dollar or whatever Wii U next to a four hundred dollar PS4. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Like it's, I just don't know if that's compelling to people. I think it's going to be the software that's going to tell. Well, the tale. it's tough. I think that I mean the target audience for Nintendo. You know, besides big kids like us who like to play the the same games we played, you know, a long time ago, like the same characters, is kids. I mean, the family market. Um, it, to parents, it's a safe bet to get a Wii U because you don't have to be worried about. It doesn't you know, play Minecraft though. Yeah, well, that's the that's, that's a, a huge miss. Yeah. But like you know, they don't have to worry about you know little kid running around and and rolling over, uh, driving over people and and, and shooting everyone. Well, the because profanity maybe it, on Call of Duty. Actually, no, Call of Duty is on that system. Sorry. No, and it it feels it was it's Black a safe too. it's a safe machine. So. Yeah. Um, the question is, how big is that family market, and like, how young kids are getting? Gamers are getting younger and younger too, right? Gamers are getting older. The average age is now in the the thirties, but kids are playing games way earlier too. And I've already hear of kids who, at the age of ten, are playing Call of Duty, and so. You know, if that's the case, they're going to be asking for the Xboxes and, and PlayStations of this world, not the Wii U. So we'll see. Um, yeah. You never know, though. You know, look at the Wii. The Wii sold to a completely new audience, then struggled with attach rate and software sales. The Wii U seems to be doing fine with attach rates and actually has some really strong digital sales. So if they, get, yeah. if they get a good hardcore audience of gamers, it's a sustainable I platform. Think, uh, I think they're also, and maybe this can help save them, because it's definitely not going to be one game or two games. Like, it's going to be a, a trickle or, or yeah. a flow of really good games but I think you're going to see them lean more and more on co-development I just have a funny feeling I, I booted up uh, Wii U uh, Wii Fit U this morning just to fool around with it before I came to work it was co-developed by a company called Ganbarian I'd yep. never heard of them oh I know them yeah Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're going to see more of mm-hmm. that moving forward like with a lot of their maybe the thing that will help their HD woes is okay contract this company but make sure that you watch them every step of the way and make sure this is not a terrible game you know to the effect of I don't know not like Wands of Gamble we party you you know what I mean mm-hmm. Perhaps. I don't know if that was co-developed or in-house either. I need to check that. But I think that may be the thing they start leaning on more. You'll start seeing that become more common. They sure. have to cultivate relationships with third parties too. Like it's it's so essential because we were talking about the attach rate. And the attach rate's important because, you know, when Microsoft sells... I don't think know, it's not important. I just think it's a funny thing to we talk well, about it. But what, I just what, remember first reading about that in IGN, like when I, you know, like yeah, well, 2005. Like it is, it like, is oh, a very inside kind of baseball yeah. thing, but it's so important totally. for them making money because they get a cut of all these games that they had nothing to do with and like they just don't have many of those games. So like when they're making a game, they're selling the game that they already worked on and paid for. Mm-hmm. But like when you're selling Assassin's Creed, you're just making money off of it. You know, it does, it's, it's, in, it's essential, you know, and like I can't believe that they just don't seem to get it. That's the, that's the thing that's really frustrating me. They don't seem to get online infrastructure and they don't seem to get third-party support and they need both. Like, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. The fact that there's no unified system between 3DS and Wii U, the fact that you have to pay to, like, transfer games from, like, Wii to Wii U, like, virtual console games, well, extraordinary, you well, know? That, that's printing money. That's I mean, that's the easiest way to make money. I think they looked at their business and we said, how can we get a little bit more money out of the active user base that we have without pissing them off too much, right? And that's one reason, one one way to do it. Yeah, it's unfair in a way, right? It is it's unfair. It's like I already bought it and on, you know, on iOS and on PlayStation, you can buy one game and play it on multiple platforms in some cases, Yeah, right? because you can play, yeah, you yeah. Buy, buy Final Fantasy VII or whatever for $5 and then play it on your PSP and your PS3 and your Vita and yeah. probably eventually I, your PS4. 
I think they'll get there. I think online infrastructure is interesting where they they clearly know how to develop an online game. Like Mario Kart, the new one, looks like it does some pretty awesome stuff online. But then they look at a game like Mario uh, and they go like, oh, no, this shouldn't be online. Animal Crossing Which is just was crazy, really good right? online. Yeah. yeah. Animal Crossing New Leaf had a great online. Yeah, it's but even awesome that game. one, like I kept on dis- getting dis- disconnected well, even there, on a good that. connection. Like I think the infrastructure isn't quite there yet. But yeah, yeah. They, they, did, they, they are taking steps. But they're not like Microsoft, right? Who built a giant network? And, yeah, yeah. The, the the thing to me, yeah, like when I found true. out that Wii U, I remember when it was, you know, we were you know talking about in the months before it came out, where I understood where Nintendo's head was at in terms of online. Where I was like, where's the achievement system? You know, yeah. and like and like they didn't do it, and I was like, what? Well, yeah, we yeah. talked. Like we I talked know you guys probably it. beat yeah, that, but oh, that yeah. really surprised. Like that was surprising. That yeah. really told me that they're prioritizing different things and that might work mm-hmm. for their audience but I think to expand the audience you have to give them investment into that ecosystem to begin with and they don't do a good job of that in my, in sure. my opinion so it's, it's a shame the, the, the thing that really sucks in my opinion is as like a long time Nintendo fan a guy who's in this industry because of Nintendo and Nintendo games is a, a healthy and vibrant Nintendo is really important Oh yeah, um, into this industry, and and the fact that we're really having it's not doomsday conversations, but when you really have like, is Wii U a failure? Like that's a scary conversation to have, you know? Like where is it? Can it rebound? Like it, it's not will it or is it? Yeah, it's can it. It's yeah. not. It's not a virtual boy, right? They've had their failures where they brought out <laughs> hardware and they walked away and said, oh. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they have the strong 3DS. The Wii U is definitely not tanking complete, completely, but it's not inspiring any third party to make any games for it, which could be an issue, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I, ho- I hope for the best for yeah. Wii U, man, because I, the more competition, the better. And like, oh, yeah. and, and it's just a, Nintendo just does things differently. Sony and Microsoft are very similar, you know? So yeah. you get a similar device. I don't really feel like you need an Xbox and a PlayStation, but you need a PlayStation and a, a Nintendo device or an yeah. Xbox and a Nintendo device because they play different games. So yeah, we always yeah. talk about this is like that I think Nintendo makes our industry, especially console industry interesting. I just think it's so much more fun to cover things when you have somebody trying to do something completely different all the time and like it'd be yeah. such a bummer to have to cover, you know, three three games that come out on PC, Xbox One and PS4 that are just all the same. Yeah, yeah. and and once once in a while they come out with a, an outrageously simple game concept then everybody everybody looks at it and says, "Man, I wish I could figure out a way to make a game like that like Smash Brothers for example right everybody was playing one on one fighting games and then out comes this four player brawler that felt very different it was about smashing somebody out of the ring easy and controls like, you know yeah. and like mm-hmm. and, and that was brilliant Pikmin is another game where Brain it's like age. somebody did RTS uh, did an RTS with a character right like a character single character driven RTS Brain Age uh, certainly we Fit all those games are very yeah very yeah, different they're, pi- they're pioneers they're yeah. absolute, absolutely pioneers that's the thing that's missing is the the Wii Sports, yeah. Like, the, well, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's got to be Wii Sports, but Nintendo Land is not. No, you're that right. Phenomenal, yeah. yeah. You know, and not. I think I don't think they expected it to be, but that's the biggest question of all: is what was Awada and everyone there thinking about in terms of expectations? Obviously, expectations for the console are much higher than they they managed to do. But like, what was going to be the catch? Was it going to be this this tablet controller that is? That's a low-powered iPad that all these kids already have. Like, what was it? It had to be the software. And I think, I think if Wii U is going to turn around, it's got to be the software. Yeah. Because it, it can't compete in power with the PS4 and yeah. Xbox One. Or For just sure. find a really cool killer app that takes advantage of, you know, both the television and the and the gamepad in a smart way. And so far, we haven't really seen that. We've seen games that play around with wildly different concepts mm-hmm. or switch it up with mini games, but nothing that really sort of you say, hey. This was absolutely made for this. Even Pikmin 3, as much as, and I think we've said this before, but as much as, and how amazing that game is, the gamepad is not really, it feels like the gamepad was just kind of shoehorned in after the fact. Well, it was a Wii game, right, originally? Wasn't That's it? what people say. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I don't think they've said that. Yeah. But they, they announced it a long time ago or something? 
But yeah, it controls exactly like Pikmin too, right? Like, and you could you could have played that game without the map. Although the map made it much easier to assign people and send them somewhere in the map. So, all right, so yeah. we gotta go. We gotta it's, go. Uh, yeah, it's, we've been here a while. So quickly, let's go around the room. Uh, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, no taxation. All right, I'm uh, at Samuel underscore IGN. Pair IGN. All right, great. And I am at Jose underscore Otero. Thank you for listening. And question of the week. Did we settle on one? Uh, we uh, hold on. I got one. I got one. Uh, Chris Becker, Nintendad, wrote in. Uh, you know, he's he's playing a game. Uh, he's lying on his sofa right now with four, with his four and a half year old son while he's playing Gunman Clive on the 2DS. So. Um, he's qu- his question of the week is everyone seems to charge for online right now if Nintendo announces account systems and the catch is a monthly fee what would they need to add for you to pay well there it is that's a great question thank right. you very much what's cats. your name cats <laughs> paying cats alright thank you very much we will be back with the second part of this episode for Castlevania in two weeks next week we will have a standard NVC have a great weekend bye have a good one beyond Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.